Hello and welcome to WMQ&A, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grove. This week we're talking with Will Nevin, a fellow comics writer who writes for AL.com and Oregon Live and is celebrating, uh, this past week celebrated, his 100th Wednesday Warriors column for that publication, uh, offering comics reviews, uh, previews, and bourbon recommendations. Uh, Will is a really good dude, and you should definitely follow him at Will Nevin on uh, Twitter. And you should also definitely check out some of the stuff we got going on this week at WMQComics.com. Uh, for example, we just launched a piece about 19 ways Brian Michael Bendis changed the Marvel Universe. Uh, this week, uh, Invincible Iron Man 600 comes out. It is Bendis's last work for Marvel, at least for now, uh, as he officially moves to the Distinguished Competition, uh, actually with next week's uh, Man of Steel number one. We're also looking at reasons to get excited for Kelly Thompson and Stefano Caselli's uh, West Coast Avengers upcoming, uh, which looks like it's going to be really good. And we've also got some great podcast episodes coming up with uh, guests with whom I haven't recorded yet, so I don't want to spoil who they are, but uh, I think they're going to make for some great interviews. So please definitely check all that out. And uh, now here's me and Will. Will, welcome back. Howdy. Um, happy Colin birthday. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, the big 100. Uh, I, I imagine you'll have a uh, foil embossed variant on it. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're hoping to really get some uh, speculators into the market, and uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna cash out while I can. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so how long have you been doing this? It's it's weekly, right? So about two years. Weekly, weekly ish, ish. Um, I started fall of 2015, so you can see sometimes we 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 go on an irregular schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do our best, like like every other person uh, out there and connected to comics. We we do our best to be Ab- timely, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. Absolutely. Um, now, how did the, how did you start this column? Is this something that you pitched, uh, you know, to to the sites, or did they come to you? Well, um, so my background is in journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's my undergraduate degree, and my my day job, as it were, I'm actually um, teaching journalism at a couple of colleges here in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And all of the people I went to school with, basically, uh, started working here in-state for AL.com, which is our local branch of this big national media conglomerate, uh, Advanced Media, which owns newspapers all across the country. Absolutely. And so so I pitched, I pitched this to my friends at al.com and we took it up the chain and eventually somebody just said sure why not um and then i did it exclusively at al.com for about a year and a half and then i started to kind of reach out to to our uh sister organizations uh, in our same corporate family and Mm -hmm. uh, it just made sense uh to run this stuff uh, for the Oregonian, it's 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 Portland, Oregon. It's a, a, a hub of comics. It's the and, uh, comics capital of the United States. <laughs> absolutely. If you know, if only the big media uh, corporations would move to Portland. You know, if if Warner Brothers would pack up and move there, uh, then it would be. Um, and then you know, Fox could move there too. But anyway, yeah. Um, and uh, the Oregonian was like, yeah, totally. We should cover comics, and um, I've been chugging along ever since then i think that was 
on uh, December of uh, 16 when I signed on at the Oregonian. And uh, I'm kind of like simulcast at both places, uh, as it were. That's awesome. Um, how do you intend, to, uh, do you plan to do anything differently for your, for your 100th? First of all, when does it, when does it, you know, when will people be able to read it? Uh, uh, it dropped this morning. You're behind. Oh, yes, I am. Shame on me for being at work all day. All right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I did a lot of trial and error over the, uh, you know, over 100 columns. And um, uh, it's so hard to keep straight in my brain who on my uh, timeline likes comics, who on my timeline likes wrestling, and who in my who in my timeline likes wrestling and comics. And I think you're just the comics bro, right? I am, yes. Yeah. Um, so the way I looked at it this week is, is I brought back a bunch of the old gimmicks. I, I brought back some of the stuff I was doing at the, at the beginning. And the thing that proved to be a pain in the ass more than anything else, when I started the... Uh, the column, I had this idea that, well, a numerical rating system is dumb. Sure. Because everything is like 9 out of 10, unless you make the world's most terrible book in the world, and then you get a 7 out of 10. And same thing with a star rating. So I thought I had this big, broad idea um, to do an emoji rating system. I would I would score comics on emojis. Okay. Um, that, that would be my rating scale. Um, and it could be like totally random and like it would just be a nod to the it is impossible to quantify the value of a comic. Um, and turned out like in our content management system, you just you just couldn't do it. Like I had to basically uh, trick our backend software to getting it to do the thing I wanted it to do. Uh-huh. And it's cumbersome and exhausting. But I brought it back this week, by God, <laughs> for the people, for the people. Give the people what they want. Absolutely. They, emojis. They were, they were craving my uh, subjective emoji analysis of, uh, you know, comic books. I, I just, I feel it that they were. Uh, I'm actually just, just scrolling through it now that I know it exists. Uh, do we get a bourbon wreck at the end of this? Um, you know, on, on the tweets, when I, when I do the tweet blast, the bourbon is always at the end. Um, uh, in the actual body of the column, the bourbon comes somewhere in the middle. It's the bourbon interlude in the actual column. And yes, of course there is, there is bourbon. <laughs> Have you actually, I mean, is this, is that, is that a part of it that's existed since the beginning? Cause that, that's a lot of different kinds of bourbon. Uh, you know, I I couldn't tell you exactly when it started. I want to say maybe around seventy or seventy five. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I was uh, talking with one of my friends at um, at Advance today, and you know, we we were thinking about maybe doing some uh, some uh, ventures down the road uh, with comics, and he's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just get, we need to find our audience, and we need to do this and this and this. And then I was like, and he he's getting into bourbon too. And I was like, you know, we could do comics and bourbon because apparently you can do that if no one is around to tell you no. And nobody told me I couldn't do it, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, eventually, I will probably run out of different varieties. Um, 
especially given the beverage control laws here in Alabama. But, um, you know, I've, I've done 25, maybe 25 or 30, and I still have at least five more here at uh, home that I haven't gotten to. So we're, we're going to keep doing it. That, that is fantastic. Now, let me ask you this. With the emoji ratings, have you ever had to give a comic the poop? Ooh. You know, I, I talked in the, the column about sort of my all-time recommendations. And I don't think I, don't think I gave these, uh, these uh, emojis, but mm-hmm. there was a, a flash uh, in the pan publisher. Uh, Double Take. Uh, were were you in and around comics when Double Take was operating? Yeah. Were they the ones that tried to create basically like an entire like chain of comics out of like oh god, what the hell was it? Like Night of the Living Dead or something yes! like that? Yes, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Uh, public domain property. It wasn't a, a terrible idea, right? And they had they wanted to do like these ten different books, all based in the Night of the Living Dead universe. Yeah. And. I, I tell you, uh, they were the worst books I have ever read. Now, to be fair, some of them were okay. Some of them were okay, but the, the worst among the ten were just garbage. Like, and I know, I know, like, the, the individual creators involved, I know that they tried their best, and it just didn't work. And for some of the books, I'm like, do you guys even, like, is this a second language for you guys? And because if it is, I mean that's fine and good, but th- these books just don't read well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the um, uh, the the digital versions were all wonky, and it was it was just a mess. Um, I would have given probably seven uh, out of those ten uh, a couple of poops because uh, yeah. Because if you're going to rate a comic, you have to give it three emojis. Okay. Um, uh, some of them would have gotten a couple of poops. Um, the best in that bunch was actually not half bad. Um, um, it actually got optioned by, I want to say Sci-Fi, but I don't think it, it went anywhere. Uh, some cable channel optioned it. Okay. Uh, it wasn't terrible. Um, and that was like the best thing I could say about any of them. And the sad thing, too... And I'm spending way too much time talking about this. Uh, but the sad thing was, like, I was really excited to sit down and read them. I had, like, this big Halloween piece all planned out. And I was going to, like, look at uh, you know, pour over them and, like, figure out, like, oh, which one of these is the best? And, oh, it's going to be hard and because they're all going to be good books. And they were terrible. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you've gotten to do a lot of interviews. For, for your column over the last couple of years, do you have a favorite or one that maybe stands out head and shoulders above the rest? Oh, man. Um, I, I think the interview that probably meant the most to me. Okay. Um, and, of course, it was the one where I had the most uh, technology problems. Um, I got to talk to Scott Snyder and uh, Jeff Lamar about uh, After Death. Nice. Uh, that was their their image book, and it was such a creative work, and it was a work that meant a lot to them, and it was a work that meant a lot to me because it like spoke to me in different ways, and it was just really just great to dig into it and to talk to guys uh, who were so accomplished in the industry. Um, the interview I did today with uh, Elliot Rahal, um, he actually got recommended 
to me through um, the uh, AL.com, the advanced media here in, in the state, because somebody who worked there was like a friend of his, and he his career was like on the ascent, and yeah. it was just good to check in with uh, or meet him like two years ago, and then like this stuff is starting to take off, you know, for him now, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I talked about this, uh, you know, on Twitter. It's so hard to do an email interview sometimes because you know people are busy and you know they uh, they they either don't give it a lot of time or they just kind of like they they're guarded. But Elliot really opened up to me, and he is such a good dude. And you know, like so many people in comics, you know, they're jug- he's juggling like uh, you know three or four different books and you know a day job and everything. And he's he's real open about how how hard a time it is and how hard he wants this to work. Um, so that, that was probably one of my most favorite, um, uh, email interviews. I also did an interview with, um, basically all of the artists who ever touched uh, a Rick and Morty book for Oni. Oh, cool. And it was, uh, it was fun to just kind of, uh, talk with them about their process and, you know, what it is to, to work with those books. Um, and you know, being being a writer guy, um, I often don't give uh, the art the time and the attention it deserves because I'm a bad person. But I'm trying to be better. Um, and so when I just got to talk to them exclusively about the art and the you know the distinctions and like all the the coloring it takes for you know a Rick and Morty book and uh, how some of like the you know the licensing procedures they have to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a fun interview. Um, I've liked all of the stuff I've done with uh, with Dynamite and the uh, the James Bond line. Um, I remember um, uh, uh, Percy. What's his What's his first name? Benjamin. Yes, um, he has the most sultry voice. It's like <laughs> it's like butter. It, it, he has a voice for radio, and he's wasting it on comics. Uh, but we had a really good interview, um, and we got to talk about bourbon uh, and how that related to James Bond. And so that was that was a lot of fun. Um, those are the ones that probably immediately come to mind. I could probably uh, think about ten more that I've, I've had fun with over the years. Uh, you mentioned Snyder and Lemire. I mean, that those are two guys kind of at the height of their powers. You know, uh, when After Death comes out, was that were there a lot of hoops that you had to jump through to kind of nail that down? Or, well, um, since we're going inside baseball here, right? Why not? Uh, I don't know what kind of luck you've had, but but uh, it's basically impossible to get anything done with Marvel or DC. Like it's just it's I've 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 tried. I've worked with them both. I've done pieces, you know, through their their you know their press arm, and it can be done. But you know, they have a thousand different requests, and you know they're aiming for the the biggest outlets possible. And you know, sure. regular old schmoes just don't get the same kind of attention. They are uh, not the best at returning emails. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but Image has been very good at, at returning emails and and setting up you know, and coordinating with creators. And uh, basically somebody reached out to, to Image, uh, or somebody at Image reached out to me and, and sent me this book along as, a, as an adva- uh, advanced copy. And I read it and I was like, 
wow, this is stunning. Um, I'd like to talk to these guys. Um, and I remember I did an advance for book one. And as they were uh, getting ready to put the collected edition out, they came back to me and, and kind of pitched an interview. And I was like, yes, of course. Um, so that, so that, that was actually pretty easy. But I imagine if I wanted to, to talk to uh, Snyder about no justice, I would, I would spend weeks uh, waiting from DC to, to hear back from them. So, um, yeah, when uh, when it's the creator own stuff, it can be easier. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, uh, that didn't have um, many uh, many hoops to jump through, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, with 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 Elliot, who you're talking with this week, he's a guy. He's he's pretty much ready to break at this point, I would say between, you know, this hot lunch special and cult classic. And I think he's taken over quantum and Woody, uh, this month, you know, he's, he's getting a lot more work. So it's, uh, it's good to see. Absolutely. And he is, and we're about to talk about, uh, some of the bad guys in comics, but we sure he are. Is, <laughs> he is one of the good guys. And, um, I think out of all of the creators I have interacted with, you know, it's weird to call somebody you've never like met in person like a friend, mm -hmm. uh, but he's probably the closest person in the industry I would say is a friend because uh, yeah we talk and uh, well we, <laughs> we we talk on Twitter right sure uh, and, and and we joke around and I really just think he is such such a nice guy and I could not be happier. Uh, for his success, and I can't wait to read uh, Hot Lunch Special because uh, he is pouring a lot of himself into this. Uh, it's at Aftershock, which turns out a lot of great books, mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, it's noir. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's my jam. So I, I think it's going to be a great book. I can't wait to read it. You mentioned we were going to talk about the bad guys of comics. Uh, might as well get into it. Sure. Uh, these comics get assholes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's really um well i mean you call them a lot of things assholes uh dicks um you know fuckers uh just just really any expletive you can think of is good enough for these guys um i don't know where you want to start with this but it is it is a mess. We don't it have to go back to the, the dawn of time, but you know, I guess we can start with the whole the whole jawbreakers thing. So this was a weird like Friday and Saturday were just like a weird couple of days. So, you know, it was that that we while we're getting sort of the roller coaster of you know, T V shows that were cancelled and then moved to other networks and, and you know, the Brooklyn nine nines and all that. There was also this this weird drama of okay, so uh, Richard Dick Meyer, the uh, <laughs> head gator. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, Dick Dick Meyer. Yeah, Dick squared. <laughs> uh, you know, he had an Indiegogo campaign for uh, a an original comic called Jawbreakers: Colon Lost Souls, uh, which was basically uh, you know the the monsters of of uh, maybe not alt right comics, but you know of monsters of comics gate. So you had you know you've got Richard Meyer, the diversity and comics guy from YouTube, 
uh, writing. You've got John Mallon, who we all discovered was insane uh, in January, drawing. And then uh, Brett Smith, I think on Colors, who apparently uh, once drew a book about the, the Clintons or something like that. And then variant cover by Ethan Van Syver, because... Of course. Because of, of course. course. He had to be involved. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this this comic raised like $230,000 on Indiegogo from morons who want to own the libs. Uh, it was, let's see, 3,875% funded. So it's the, it's the, the potato salad of, of indie comics, I guess. But anyway... Uh, Small press publisher Antarctic announces on May 9th, so like Wednesday, that they're going to publish what was going to be, you know, a, a basically a, you know, self-published book. And then a couple of comic shops come up, go out on record and say, no, we're not going to carry this on our shelves because these guys are awful human beings. And it was uh, Big Bang Comics, which is, you know, a pretty globally, a pretty well-known actual, you know, store in Dublin. And then this little shop in Edmonton called Variant Edition. Now, I never had cause to know about anything in Edmonton before this weekend besides Wayne Gretzky played hockey there. But these guys apparently got, I, we can't say what, I mean, I'm not casting any sort of aspersions. I don't, you know, I'm not saying they're related, but... The store got vandalized over the weekend, and then that created some back and forth finger pointing. Uh, and then Mark Wade jumps into the fray and says, I'm going to have a sternly worded conversation with these Antarctic press people. Mark Wade, uh, noted liberal and occasional dick online. Yeah. Let, let's let's be honest. Yeah, no, he's not he's not perfect. I'm not I'm not standing up for Mark Wade, but you know. Next thing we know, on Friday, Antarctic pulls an about face and says, "Okay, we're not gonna do this because why go through all the grief?" You know, the 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 same publisher that also carries was it My Hero Magademia and the tremendous Trump. While you've been talking, yeah. I, I've certainly been listening. Um, yeah. But I have been browsing through my copy of Trump versus Time Lincoln uh, from the <laughs> press, and it is this, it is this Mad Max riff on obviously Trump and a time traveling Lincoln. Um, and it just really kind of speaks to the, the quality and what, uh, you know, Antarctic Press will stoop to. Uh, I don't know why I picked this book up. Uh, I think I certainly wasted my money. Um, but that, you know, that happens. Easy come, easy go. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it, it strikes me that very few people, would have regarded Antarctic Press as an ongoing concern before this weekend. Right. Um, you know, it, to continue with the inside baseball theme, like, you know, we talk about the big three. And to be completely honest, it is a big two, you know, DC sure. and Marvel. And then if you want to talk about uh, independent publishers, Image is, yeah. is the king of independent publishers. And then you have presses like, 
uh, Boom and Oni, you know, uh, mm-hmm. organizations that have been around, Dark Horse, uh, Aftershock, uh, that is uh, certainly an, an ascendant publisher. Antarctic is like 10,000 steps removed from these guys. Um, they, as far as I can see, will literally publish anything you take to them and they think they can make a dollar. But they did not think they could make a dollar from this. <laughs> well, they thought initially, right? And initially that it, it would work out for them. Um, but it's hard to say, like, you know, how much Wade got involved, and, and that that certainly has been so much drama. Yeah. Uh, I know that Gail Simone somehow got wrapped up into this, and ultimately the bottom line is uh, these guys are dicks. Yeah. These, these guys are unrepentant dicks. And I, I think uh, Antarctic just realized that whoa, these guys are too toxic for us to deal with. They are not worth uh, the time and and the hassle and whatever marginal th- dollars we're going to get from this uh, because I suppose that they saw it was going to be an uphill struggle to get stores to carry this book. Um, and and really, at the end of the day, it is a win for this you know brigade of dicks because they, they can continue to play uh, a victim uh, even as they antagonize and troll and make life more difficult for the people who just want to read good books and have a good time online. Absolutely. And have a good time online with, you know, women and minorities and uh, the LGBTQ community and all of these other communities that, uh, you know, Meyer and his, his fuckwads would, would prefer to be out of comics. Yep. And I mean, even without this publishing deal, unfortunately, they did get a ton of publicity uh, and, this weekend. And, and they also decided to take their ball and start their own publisher. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, Splatter. Splat yeah. Yeah. Good. Good luck with that. Good luck. <laughs> um, but the really amazing thing is that they raised a ton of money, right? Yeah. Uh, what was it, 200000 right? 237000 And there are so many good creators out there who are struggling to raise like five or six or ten. Um, I, I remember um, uh, watching uh, Christopher uh, Sabella and his um, uh, short order Crooks and the campaign that he went through. Like that book just barely got funded and he was doing it on like a shoestring budget and you know he's doing it for the art he's doing it for i've got a story i want to tell and i want to make sure that um you know the the artists are fairly compensated and i want to make sure that you know, we put out a good book and these guys just want to be dicks and they've got two hundred thousand dollars to be dicks and who knows what's going to happen with that money but to be honest, I I do not feel sad for anybody who has, in essence, been victimized by this campaign because, you know what? If you donate money to dicks, you're probably a dick yourself. Yep. <laughs> That's about the long and short of it. Um, and unfortunately, apparently, the, the saga has not, not ended for Variant Edition because uh, you had just posted to me today that like some wackadoo came into their store and just started like harassing the staff 
Yeah, and, and and that's the end result for all of these online harassment campaigns, all of these uh, you know conspiracy theories like like Pizzagate and something like that. Uh, you know, these people can have their fun online, like you know, turning their troll armies onto innocent people. But eventually, uh, you find someone who is unbalanced enough to do this in person. Yeah, and, and it, it just it just doesn't end well. It never will. Um, I hope this store finds uh, finds some peace. I hope that um, certainly this guy never comes around again. And uh, I think the store has handled it very well. Yeah, I mean they were and, polite to him too, from the from the yeah. sounds of it. It's like, uh, hey, uh, buddy, uh, how about you don't do that? Um, <laughs> I, I can't help but get in some Canadian uh, jokes. Um, as long as you're sorry. I am. I'm quite sorry. Um, it's just, at the end of the day, I don't know what more you can say about the situation other than it's terrible. I I hope that it, it stops, but I know that it won't. I know that that uh, uh, Double Dick Meyer will continue to run his YouTube channel, and I know that he will continue to have fans on his YouTube channel, and he will continue to attract like the fringe, you know, creators who politically align with him. Um, at least, you know, DC uh, has put a stop to this. Like, I I think. Uh, you know, uh, Cyber's career with DC appears to be over. Like, I think they're like, we can find plenty of artists to take your place. Uh, I know that his run on uh, the the Green Lantern family of books appears to be over, and I figure he's not going to get any more jobs in the future. Um, but even that's not too much of a consequence when you continue when you can continue to play this online victim. Like, oh. Oh, they're just, you know, I, I can't get any work because of my political views. Like, oh, no, it's because you're an asshole. Like, these companies don't want to work with you because you harass people online. You turn uh, your followers uh, to harass people online. And for a corporation like DC, like, they they should and can uh, do with that, you know, that kind of nonsense. And... Uh, I wish these uh, smaller publishers would also recognize that. Um, but, you know, alas, uh, Antarctic dipped its toe and, and found that, whoa, whoa. Um, so, again, I don't, I don't know what the future is for this, but it's, it's not good. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I was more optimistic about this, but um, alas. Unfortunately, hate will will always uh, have an audience that probably is willing to pay to uh, justify its own, you know, shittiness. Yeah, I, I I wish I wish it was different. I wish people were better, uh, but they're not. Well, let's let's move on to a more fun topic. Yes, I agree. Uh, Will, why do you hate Damian Wayne so much? Why do I hate Damian Wayne? Um, uh, there's no, there was no context for this segue. <laughs> I know, oh, and 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 to be clear, I hate Comicsgate more than I hate Damian Wayne, uh, but I hate Damian Wayne less than I hate diarrhea. 
and I think this is where this this that tweet was where this discussion uh, started. Uh, I can't remember the exact order, but I know I placed uh, my ire of Damian Wayne below diarrhea. Um, yeah, no, I definitely remember so that diarrhea main... it won won that debate somehow. <laughs> my my main ire with him is that he is Weshley Crusher with a bad attitude. <laughs> Every writer that I have, that I have, you know, sort of encountered writing uh, Damian Wayne, and may- maybe this is the character. He-, he is smug, he is arrogant, he is irritating, and he's 12 or 13 or however old he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a grown-ass man, I can't relate to that character and I really loathe that character. Um, I, I hate his 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 smug entitlement, and I want Bruce to punch him. I want Dick to punch him. I want Jason to punch him. I want anybody around to punch him. Um, saying you want Jason to punch him is saying something because that's Jason <laughs> Todd. <laughs> I, I I just don't understand how anyone can relate to the character, and I just. I don't know what value there is in him unless you want to have Wesley Crusher with a bad attitude in a comic book. And if you want that, I I can't help you. I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, So that's just kind of my view on Damien. And maybe if someone writes him a little bit differently, maybe if someone, I don't know, maybe if I went back to the original Damian Wayne's storyline, you know, in, you know, Batman 508 or whatever it is, uh, to pull a random number, maybe I would better appreciate the character. Uh, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm an expert, but in everything I have read involving Damian Wayne, I have always come across with the impression that, God, I hate him. I hate the character. This book would be better without him. Uh, well, you know, he is a Morrison character, so... I, I kind of actually just drew, maybe he he was a, maybe he was a prick with charm initially, but uh, I just realized he's the DC version of Quentin Quire, a Grant Morrison teenage prick. <laughs> and and I don't know why we have to have teenage pricks um, because nobody likes teens generally, not even the well-intentioned like nice ones. Um, Again, like, if I'm in the, the young adult literature demographic, you know, maybe I can, you know, see myself in Damien and like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting those big bad dudes and, and I've got attitude and i got spunk. And, yeah, I think for something like Teen Titans, I think he's fine because that's, that's just not, you know, that's not my jam. Some people love Teen Titans. And that's okay. I don't. That's for them. It's not for me. It's fine. Um, like I said, whatever Damien ventures out of that little nice cordoned off area is where I start to have a problem. By by cordoned off area, are you referring specifically to like the Bat Family or or? I, I mean, like specifically the Bat Family. I don't read. So oh, like okay. t- t- Teen Titans and like whatever else. <laughs> If he's ever in like keep him out of my goddamn Tom King book. (laughs) (laughs) If if he's in Batman or Detective Comics or um, 
I can't remember if he was in uh, in Injustice or not, but I think if he was, I like tolerated him. Um, but yeah, if he's in a pace where I'm not where I'm not expecting him, I'm like, get out, dude. Do you? Uh, who is your Robin? Are you are you of like the Tim Drake generation, or or do you have a uh, another preference? Jeez, uh, that's that's a tough question. Um, I always come back to the idea that in current DC continuity, mm-hmm. in, in the rebirth era, you know, we're looking at what, like five or, or ten years, right? Uh, and that Batman is supposed to have gone through, uh, you know, Grayson, Todd, Drake, Damien, all of these guys in like five years. like And Duke Thomas. Oh, oh and Duke. Um Speaking of Duke Thomas, there is there is a weird, unreported story about Batman and the Signal um, going from like a potential ongoing series to like three books or whatever it was. But anyway, um, yeah, it, like in continuity, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but Grayson is the most relatable. Like he's got the best origin story. He's the classic Robin, so if I gotta pick one, I'm I'm gonna go with Dick. A reasoned, uh, yeah, reasoned, justifiable response. Uh, a lot of but, a lot but, of women on the internet would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all about that butt, right? I'm Grayson Bones. Um, <laughs> but isn't that crazy? Like in this rebirth era, that that Bruce is supposed to have gone through all of these different Robins. Like every time this comes up, I feel like I talk about it because mm-hmm. we don't talk about it enough. But None apparently, it was Doctor Manhattan's fault. I think. <laughs> I don't know. Doomsday Clock is never going to finish. So. No, it won't. Uh, Doomsday Clock is the Duke Nukem Forever of comics. It's, <laughs> it's not going to finish, and if it does finish, we're probably all going to be disappointed. Um, but. Yeah, I just you know, we had this uh, this bleeding cool. I think it was bleeding cool um, uh, rumor about uh, a potential reboot for the DC universe, and I'm like, yeah, if we can if we can reboot Batman back to scratch mm-hmm. uh, without all of these accumulated Robins like coats of paint, I'd be for it. I don't think it's going to ha- uh, happen because everybody in DC seemed to. Uh, repudiate uh, that story, but I don't necessarily think it would be the worst idea in the world. I, I don't saying. see how you would do it at this point, though. I mean, like, Rebirth is still pretty... It's still got a head of steam on it after after two years. Plus, I mean, what? I don't know. If you're going to do it, maybe it's more of like a black label kind of thing. I don't know. There's so many different... I wouldn't do it in the main title. There's just too many different avenues to, to spin it off down that you could do it down one of them and be absolutely fine. Yeah, I think there is definitely room somewhere for a modern, in essence, year one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, that story has, has aged enough and that we probably, we could probably modernize it. Um, but yeah, you're you're certainly right. Like, the DC universe would probably implode if we tried to 
you know, reset to scratch. Uh, but I forget uh, who pointed this out online. Uh, but you can see how, you know, maybe this this total reboot uh, story is at least plausible because, you know, Bruce and Selena and um, uh, Clark and Lois, these marriages mm-hmm. are kind of kind of a good end point for the characters. Uh, you know, once Batman is married to Catwoman, where else are you going to go? Once Clark is married to Lois and, and has this nice, happy life, like, where else are you going to go for these characters? Yeah, but how many uh, times are you going to reboot the, the the Superman wedding? You know what I mean? <laughs> they already did it yeah. once. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not arguing in favor of a reboot per se. I'm just saying it makes sense to me. Um, and it's, it's strange too how, and maybe this is my personal fandom and allegiance showing. Um, I think we drag Marvel all the time for these resets and renumberings and events. But when DC does it, we're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think uh, perhaps DC has a, a little bit more goodwill, uh, at least in the community, than um, uh, than Marvel does at this point. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. But you know, we'll we'll see as the fresh start books roll out. Maybe maybe the title turn, but I'm not seeing it yet. Yeah. Um... I don't know coats on Captain America. Um, I think that's an interesting place to go, and yeah. I don't think I've been following anything else. <laughs> well, I, I will say I do like Jason Aaron's Avengers. Yeah, that number one was good. Yeah, I, I will admit that, um, if only because it stripped everything back down to the basics, like Thor, Cap, and Iron Man. Like those are the Avengers. Let's work with that. Yeah. Um, but this is this is a great time to segue into sort of what we're reading right, right now. So, uh, yeah, Will, what are you reading right now? Uh, well, I am um, obviously reading a bunch, and I'm trying to pull up uh, pull up my notes here. I'm maybe a little bit too far into my bourbon, um, but that's okay. That's okay. It's a day to celebrate. It. It is a day to celebrate uh, my my anniversary uh, edition. Uh, yeah, in terms of like what's coming out tomorrow and what what came out last week and the week before, I was so blown away, so impressed, so amused by you are Deadpool. Like I I love that book. Uh, like this mix of Dungeons and Dragons and Choose Your Own Adventure, um, Al Ewing just just blew me away. And whenever I can get like an actual genuine laugh out of a book, like I really appreciate that. And You Are Deadpool has been great. Um, I need to get back and and read like the last two, I don't know ten issues of the main Deadpool line. Uh, but this this 
you know, choose your own adventure uh, game book has been stellar. I'm looking forward to reading. I'm probably I'm gonna wait. I decided I'm gonna trade weight that, but uh, def, I'm definitely you looking forward to reading it. Monster. <laughs> Does, isn't there like a Kieran Gill? Doesn't Kieran Gillen show up like as himself? Yes, in number one, he does. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, while we're talking Marvel, I also want to go out there and recommend Gail Simone's uh, and David Baldion's Domino. That really has been a fun book. We're like two issues in, and it's just it's a fresh take on the character who's usually you know just sort of the gun mall for swole dudes, and like this gives her like you know girlfriends. It just kind of gives you more of a feel for like her personality and the way her powers work. And it's certainly timely, given the uh, uh, the major motion picture uh, soon to come out. Yeah, and, and e- even knowing that, like, I don't read that book thinking, oh, they just put this out because there's a movie, you know, because she's in the movie. I mean, maybe that was a factor. I'm not saying it, you know, it couldn't have been, but it just, it it feels like it's doing its own thing. But uh, what else you got? Um, as always, I am... I am on some image books. Uh, I love uh, Dry County. Um, number three drops tomorrow. Uh, Rich Tommaso is is a great writer, and he is a great artist, and he's doing this great um, noir story set in Miami. And I love the colors of the book, like all of the all of the pastels you can think about, like. Uh, uh, if, if any of you out there, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto, Vice City. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like that Miami feel, like he, is, he has done that. And it's this great story about this regular schmo who is, uh, who is trying to play a uh, detective after one of his uh, potential um, paramours disappears. And I, I just love the writing. And the art is just, uh, it's just spectacular. Like, uh, Tommaso is just, um, is just doing some great work now. Not with, uh, not only Spy Seal, which is coming back. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, um, uh, and then like I said, Dry County too. Yeah. Uh, have you checked out Barrier at all? I have not. I've heard good things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Marcos Martin's art is uh, fantastic. Uh, Munza Vicente on colors, and of course, you know Brian K. Vaughn. So legally, we all have to love it. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 an interesting little uh, little story. I like the horizontal presentation. Uh, although I've been fighting with my laptop to try and get it to actually present the way it was intended. But uh, I, I think they- They've taken the interesting strategy with that book and that there's not going to be a trade, like yeah. if I understood that correctly. Uh, yeah, no, they don't plan to collect. I mean, I never say never with anything, but there's no plans for a physical trade anytime soon. Yeah, that's um, that's an interesting strategy. That, that makes sense, uh, but that's definitely not the norm in comics for sure. It isn't, and I kind of hope, you know, I, I imagine part of the strategy has to be, you know, to encourage people to go to the panel syndicate site and, and read it there and kind of participate and, and see what some of the other books are that are there that aren't by, you know, that creative team. Because if you look at the, um, the, the uh, you know, the physical issues in the back, it's there's always like a preview for something else that's on the panel syndicate site. Yeah, uh, 
you, you mentioned it a few minutes ago. Uh, trade waiting is is an interesting topic. Um, I, I think it can be helpful, and oftentimes I think it can be harmful. Uh, oh sure, I mean there's a lot of series that died at six issues because of tra- you know of, of trade waiting, but by the same token, I mean people are going to consume you know consume comics how they want to consume them, and I think absolutely. you know we sort we, I think we all you know myself included need to start you know, kind of trading our brains to not just look at like diamond statistics, but also look at bookstore sales as, you know, a measure of success. And maybe we can convince DC to do recap pages. (laughs) I Um, mean, to, to me as, as somebody who doesn't, uh, I guess I don't, I don't think I've ever like, actively trade weighted um the only thing that i want between you know from issue to issue is just like some kind of recap and for whatever reason dc is just totally set against that and i think that would be helpful sometimes uh, you know if you're trying to read uh the monthly books uh but alas yeah i think i think it helps with monthly titles because you forget oh yes you know and and with books like I don't know, with Doomsday Clock, I feel like it would mess with the aesthetic, but, I mean, considering we're going, like, now two, three months between issues, I mean, I'm not going back and reading, you know, I may not necessarily read issue number four again before five comes out. That's too much work, man, for uh, a book that is, like, you know, maybe shouldn't be, but, you know, (laughs) whatever, whatever. Doomsday Clock. It's an abomination. <laughs> now, hey, you can find many people online that will give you that opinion. I'm just like, eh, maybe we could have done without it. Maybe. I mean, if you're if you're at no, if we're comparing Doomsday Clock and Metal, Metal is the superior event. Uh, yeah. By a country mile. Yeah, anything that can get me uh, the Batman who laughs is just wins. Yeah. Um, I I loved, I think, all of the Dark Knight's one-shots more than, like, the main story. Because, like, the main story involved, like, knowing, like, you know, 50 years of DC continuity. But those individual one-shots were, like, awesome. Yeah. Um, I actually... I. I only got the Batman Who Laughs one, but that was brutal. Um, Batman Who Laughs, The Red Death, and uh, The Drowned, I think, were probably my favorites. Uh, but yeah, the, the Batman Who Laughs, oh man, that was such such a great origin story. And I think, in some form or another, at least he's sticking around in the DC Universe. And I'm, I'm so happy. I'm yeah. so happy. Yeah, it sounds like they're keeping a lot of the concepts from Metal as far as, you know, the dark multiverse and, and, and all that stuff, Barbatos. Um, what do you think? Uh, have you been keeping up? Did you read the, the first issue of No Justice? I I did. Um, I'm of a couple of different minds when it comes to this Justice League reboot. Um, I feel like when you when looking at Marvel and X-Men, Mm-hmm. I feel that when you have more 
than one X-Man team, um, you start to lose a little bit of the allure of the brand. So I feel that when you have more than one Justice League team, you start to lose a little bit of the brand. Mm-hmm. But I I think at least initially in their ambition and in their design, I I think it's a it's a great concept and I I'm on board at least with this you know this no justice event stemming from metal and I can appreciate that. Uh, especially as Marvel seems to be, you know, running away from Secret Empire as fast as possible. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, in uh, in wrestling, we talk about uh, you should take ownership of wins and losses, and when it comes to comic book events, you should take ownership of you know what happened in the event. So I appreciate that DC is taking ownership of what metal meant you know what the events happened and the repercussions that they have and i you know i'm i'm at least willing to to give these new teams uh, a try um but i just i feel like i if i was deeper into the continuity and this this is a general um you know critique of metal if I was deeper into it, it would mean more to me, uh, you know. But as some as somebody who has just like a surface level knowledge of Infinite Crisis and the multiverse, like I don't feel like it means as much as it could. No, I definitely get that. I mean, you know, as far as DC goes, I'm rel- you know relatively a Johnny come lately. You know, I didn't start regularly reading DC until like All Star Batman. You know the the, um, the Snyder series, so I did. You know there was a lot of the continuity porn and metal that I missed, but it was such a crazy story that it didn't like. I didn't feel like I was missing that much. Absolutely, and and it was hard not to compare metal to Secret Empire, and I think you know Secret Empire is almost universally reviled um because like, and now spencer's writing spider-man <laughs> hey doesn't doesn't bother me none because i don't read spider-man i'm like go for it bud have fun doesn't bother me uh but it just it didn't have much of an imagination beyond its premise like ooh. What if Captain America was a bad dude? Ooh, what would happen? What would happen if fascists took over America? Ooh, like, hey, uh, you know, surprise, it's, it's 2018. We understand what would happen if fascists took over America. Um, we already have I the think, inhuman internment camps. <laughs> you know, and, and I think politically, if certain things had happened differently, our reception to Secret Empire would be different. But we live in the actual 2018 timeline and not like a theoretical better 2018 timeline. So we have to live with what we got. Um, But metal has so much imagination, has so much heart and spirit and just like creativity involved. You know, I'm with you. I don't get all of the continuity stuff that's going along. Like Plastic Man... 
who the hell is that? Like, what do I need to know about Plastic Man? I don't know squat about him. But I I appreciate what's happening because the the creators, you know, uh, have put so much into it, and it's clear that they are working on this this deeper, higher level, and that they have ideas and plans and ambitions that were just not there in Secret Empire. Mm-hmm. What, what do you what do you think of like I don't know? It struck me as a little bit weird, like when they're all inspecting the source wall and the giant hole, and like they're just sort of blaming the Justice League. Which I mean, they did it to save everybody. I don't know. It, like it, it seemed like too many people were mad at the Justice League for saving the multiverse. Hey, hey, you you guys like saved all of creation. Like, what were you doing? Like, why did you do that? Yeah. Uh, now now we've got Galactus Celestials, so thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I think that Justice League, uh, you know, No Justice has the same problem with a lot of stories. If you start to ask too many questions, it kind of falls apart. Uh, and I think that's definitely one of the areas where it does fall apart. Like, what else was the Justice League supposed to do? You know, what else was Batman supposed to do during Metal? Like, yeah, he probably should have called in the rest of his team, but, uh, you know, he had some kind of understanding of what was going on, so he probably should have addressed the problem. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I I agree with you that this initial... You just sort of ire directed toward the league is probably misplaced, but it serves the purposes of the narrative. So, you know, eh, whatever. <laughs> eh, eh. Uh, all right. Well, uh, one more thing as we're as we're wrapping up here. Uh, mentioned this on 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 Twitter, but uh, on on Will's recommendation, I checked out Rock Candy Mountain from Image, which uh, you can pick up in trade now. Uh, two volumes, all eight issues by Kyle Starks. That was a great read. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Kyle is he's another one of those guys that's that's just like he is operating on a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I think of artists, I think of Casper uh, 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 Weingart, who who did uh, Limbo and his uh, his trade on uh, Angelic just came out uh, this last week. Like, I think he is operating on a different level when it comes to artists. Starks has mastered this ability to, you know, write a funny, silly book that also has a lot of meaning to it. And I think uh, Rock Candy Mountain, uh, Eisner nominated, and if there's any justice in the world, it should win. Um, I think Best Humor Publication, uh, I think is this category. Uh, It it is such a good book because not only is it funny, but it also has some meaning to it. And uh, Rock Candy Mountain and his other kind of works in the same uh, vein, Sex Castle and Kill Them All. Um, uh, Sex Castle, I think also from Image, Kill Them All from Oni. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just such good books. and They're, they're kind of these action-adventure comedies. And 
Starks is just great at writing these one-liners, these these just great witty phrases, and then he comes back at you and and really just hits you with some real emotion and some real meaning. And um, he's one of uh, the the best writers working today, I think. Um, and and that shows in his work with the uh, Rick and Morty series uh, with Oni. Uh, he's just again a master of uh, of the action comedy and the the comedy sci-fi. He just he just he has this inherent ability uh, to tell this this story with meaning, but then also will will make you laugh like you know ten times throughout a given book. Absolutely, and then you know just. That last splash page where we're looking at, at Jack, you know, that's just a close up on Jackson's face with the tears in his eyes. I mean, you know, there's nothing better than a, than a book that just makes you crack up, but also hit, manages to hit you in the feels at the same time. Yeah, I I forget which particular issue it, it is, but I proclaimed it uh, the panel of the year of 2017, um, and. And if, if the good listeners out there are not familiar with Rock Candy Mountain, we get this World War, post-World War II era story uh, about this, uh, this hero named Jackson who is riding the rails uh, as a hobo. And he's looking for Rock Candy Mountain, the, ho- the hobo paradise. And, uh, and it gets to this one panel where Jackson says... I'm coming home and home is to be with his, his wife and child who have been killed and it's so good and it's so elemental and, and the colors are great and, and Stark's art is perfect. And I, you know, I'm tearing up now just thinking about it because there's so much emotion in that one panel you got this guy that is faced with so much grief and who is longing for this paradise of just being able to see his wife and kid just one more time. And, and, and Starks write, writes this book where you have that kind of emotion and you have this, this silliness where, um, Oh gosh, I, for, I forget the line, but uh, it also involves diarrhea. Oh, and, I got uh, it. I got it. It's uh, perfect. Yeah. Oh wait, nope, that's book two. Where's book one? There we are. It's like it's like one of the first pages uh, with Pomona Slim. I'm gonna find it, and then I'm gonna cut out all the dead air. Because <laughs> that's how much I love this panel. Absolutely, it's it's a good panel. He's got punched diarrhea and their faces of the toilet bowl. Absolutely. And and that's 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 sort of the, the signature when it comes to Kyle Starks, because he will write lines like that. And you have lines like that in Sex Castle and Kill Them All. And and I talked to him um, uh, for a couple of interviews and he describes it or a friend of his described it as like comic book improv. And and I think these lines just kind of pop into his brain, and they just yeah you know, they fall out on the page, and it works. And there is a deeper, higher level 
to all of his uh, all of his creator owned stuff that is just so beautiful. Uh, so if you like Rock Candy Mountain, you're gonna like Sex Sex Castle. You're gonna like Kill Them All, and you're gonna like you know whatever uh, other great thing that he decides to turn out next. Well, I think that is a great note to uh, wrap up wrap up on. So uh, you guys go read some Kyle Starks uh, and also follow Will. How can people get a hold of you online? I am all over Twitter. Uh, at Will Nevin, N-E-V-I-N, and you can uh, read my stuff. You can read Wednesday Warriors at OregonLive.com slash books, uh, where I do my my weekly-ish column, Wednesday Warriors, and uh, I also do advanced reviews at Tomorrow's Books Today, and um, any other interviews and anything else that pops into my brain. All right, Will, take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your bourbon. Oh, I've, I've enjoyed too much, sir. Too much. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Monday mornings. Also, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and panel views. And we'll see you next time.